This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to a Friday edition of One Bills Live here at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. You got the two Chris's today, Chris Brown, Chris Trapasso with you to take you through our final day of coverage here on site. And uh, it's been it's been a pretty eventful week, I will say, and we didn't even get to testing until yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll get into some of those testing elements uh, that we witnessed last night. Some people really lit it up. Uh, to a certain extent expected, I would say. We knew some people were going to run fast, jump high, and stuff like that, but there were also a couple of surprises, so we will get into those here in short order. I think um, the place to start is, <laughs> I, I wanted to bring this up, and I didn't even tell Chris this, but um, we saw the news item yesterday that the NFL is testing optimal tracking Mm. for the line to gain rulings on a possible please you know it's a possible sign that the days of the chain gang are over concerning measuring for a first down and you don't know this but on our show steve and i have had lengthy discussions (laughs) because what i think should happen is i think they should get like a running track on the sideline with an electronic eye like like you have on your garage door opener yeah 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 and that thing, you know, you put a chip in the ball that is controlling the electronic eye, and wherever the ball ends up, that's where the eye goes. Now, I don't know how you do that on a sideline without tripping people trying to get on and off the <laughs> yeah, field. I true. haven't figured that part out yet. But that's kind of, in my mind's eye, what we should have nowadays because the fact that you have two old dudes <laughs> with the down marker and, and the down poles and a chain in between them in 2024 is insanity, is it not? It's insanity, and it's the NFL that brings in, what, $10 billion a year, whatever. It's a, a multi-billion dollar a year company, corporation thing. That There's no way that that should be the case. And we know it's a game of inches, and it's to see how often it's an inexact science marking the football whether it be in the first quarter and god forbid late in the game that it's oh hey we're you're this far short or you're really should be getting that first down it cannot be going forward how teams or how the refs ultimately spot the football and can really be the difference in a game whether a team has to kick a field goal or they ultimately get stopped on a fourth down that was like non-combine related news that came out this week that i think Everyone that I've talked to here in Indy is certainly all for that in the future. Yeah, and they really didn't kind of lay out what it's going to look like. They're testing it, though. But I'm happy they're testing it because it means a change could be coming. We're only a few years removed from the credit card. Do you remember that? In between the the football and the... (laughs) I mean, what are we doing? It's like a it's like a twelve billion dollar a year business, and we're measuring first downs with chains and poles. And I know that you're way more of a soccer guy than I am, but I tune in to every four years to the World Cup. Yeah. And the last World Cup, they had that like technology. It was like an aerial footage, like GPS, where they could see if a guy was off sides or not, and that's like in real time. Could see if the ball went fully across the goal line. Yeah, video assisted replay is yeah, what they call it. Like, VAR. Watching that. It's lo- just 
very much a casual USA soccer fan every four years, I was like, why does the NFL not have this? Why can't the NFL incorporate this? We know there's chips in the players' pads already. Yeah, and you see it in tennis, too. They have that, yeah. whether the serve is in or out, they yeah. have that line technology. It's time, the NFL. It's yeah, they got, There's got to be a way to figure that out. And I realize it's a little trickier because you got you know, a lot of people coming on and off the field a lot, which you don't really have in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, but the NFL should be There's able to figure be a way it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to figure that Agreed. out. Um, we know that you can bump into just about anybody in the NFL walking around town here in Indianapolis on a week like this. And uh, our producer, Jay Harris, and myself, we uh, <laughs> were walking down the street the other night with uh, our production assistant, Shannon, and we're walking right down the street and coming out of a, of a steak and shake coming down the street is a Hall of Famer. It's John Randall just randomly coming down the street. I was like, Jay's like, did you see that? That was John Randall with a shake in his hand. I was like, what? Like, I wasn't even paying attention. And he probably, he probably looks like he can still play, right? Oh, yeah, he's in pretty good shape. I wouldn't yep. say he's in game shape, but he, for an older guy, he looks pretty good. It's like just a Hall of Famer walking by. <laughs> so then yesterday, we're walking to dinner, and I turn around and out of the because I hear this voice, and I recognize the voice immediately. And I turn and look. And the guy recognizes me, and I was stunned he recognized me because he probably hadn't seen me in 10 years, and I had a hat on. I mean, I know my bald head is usually a dead giveaway. Hey, that's Chris Brown. But um, I had my hat on, so I'm, like, you know, not as easy to recognize for people to know what I look like. And it's J.P. Lossman. <laughs> Why is he here? He he coaches at Oklahoma. Oh, he is at Oklahoma, yeah. Okay. So he's here and, you know, doing whatever for the Oklahoma prospects that are here. Came over, shook my hand, couldn't have been nicer. I was like, JP, what's going on? We were just, you know, talking real quick. He said, everything's going good. Um, and I asked him, oh, you're going to watch the guys throw. And I don't think there's an Oklahoma quarterback here, but. Um, Spencer said, Rattler was in yeah. Oklahoma. And maybe yeah. that, you know, maybe he's here to kind of support that guy. But, yep. um, but yeah, it was kind of cool to see him. Then we're coming out of dinner and Stephen Hauschka. I was going to say, I saw him last night. On too. the street. Like, I was like, how much money's here? This is crazy. Yeah, cool. So it was like we were like in the twilight zone last night with everybody we were spotting on the street. But he's doing well. And, you know, I know he caught up with all the Bills players because he was at the Chargers game out in L.A. Mm-hmm. late in the season. Yep. And, uh, you know, they were dapping him up along the sideline there, which was kind of cool. So, yeah, you, you just don't know who you're going to run no. into. Have you, who have you, have you run into anybody Hauska, else besides Hauska? I saw Sean Alexander, the former oh. uh, Seahawks running back yeah, at the yeah, airport. Yeah. Uh, I was, like, trying to put together how and why he could be there. But there's a lot of guys like Lossman that get into coaching either at the college ranks or their, right. you know, assistants um, around the league. But that was one that just kind of shocked me. It kind of reminded me right when I got off the plane here in India, I was like, oh, there's Sean Alexander, former rushing rushing touchdown, rushing leader in the NFL yeah. for the Seahawks in Indy. And obviously you get every single media member and you're ordering a drink at the bar and there's an offensive coordinator next to you and a GM across the bar. Yeah. So it, it's a really great networking event. It's just really the NFL all coming together, maybe even more so than the Super Bowl, because this is this is every single team is here, wants to have a presence and is obviously you know, wanting to interview these guys to ultimately make picks. Yeah, there was, we've seen some news come out the last couple of days in terms of quarterbacks who aren't going to throw or other people who aren't going to test. And that's in most cases by choice. Um, Cooper DeGene, for example, yesterday was a guy who's going to test it hopefully in April. Not, I don't even know if he's going to be able to test it. His pro day coming off that leg uh, fracture, fibula fracture. 
so he's not going to run here as the DBs get on the field today. They are doing testing today um, along with the tight ends. They, we had D linemen and linebackers last night. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, Alabama corner Kool-Aid McKinstry in the medical exam, it was discovered he's got a Jones fracture Those in his foot. Good. Yeah, they're not good. You're right. Remember, Sammy Watkins had that, and that took a couple of surgeries to get right. So that's unfortunate for him. Um, and I would just say that, you know, he says he's not going to get it fixed right away. He's going to go to his pro day, test, then get Because he played fi- on it. Because he played yeah, on it. Yeah, and then get it fixed. Wow. But the, they're still saying that the prognosis indicates that he will still be able to be ready by training camp. Hopefully that's the case because you know, you know those Jones fractures, they cause problems. They linger. And, yeah, and there's, there's a high rate, and maybe modern medicine has fixed this since we watched Sammy Watkins deal with it a couple of times. You remember Julio Jones had it, and he wasn't right. He had to get Des, two surgeries. Des Bryant. There's Julian a high Edelman. rate of recurrence mm-hmm. with Jones fractures, especially for the guys that play the high-impact positions like receiver and corner. So – fingers crossed for Kool-Aid McKinstry, but that's just got to be crappy news. Like, you're all hyped up to get here, test, and they're like, yeah, you got a Jones fracture in your foot. He's like, what? Like, he didn't didn't even know. That's insane, too, because Kool-Aid McKinstry's film is really good. Like, he came into this past season as the number one guy at Alabama. I think his teammate, Terry and Arnold, is probably going to be picked earlier than him. He had a breakout season. He's he's a little more fluid. But it's not like Kool-Aid McKinstry had this disastrous season that's going to drop him to the third or the fourth round. Now, we always hear that a lot of the teams will say at the podium when there's the coaches and the GMs, like the medical portion is the most important. To pick up that kind of red flag, maybe he will sink a little bit and was a big recruit, again, had an awesome 2022 and was still really good for the Alabama Crimson Tide, playing for a portion of the season on that Jones fracture, which cannot be easy. Right. You wonder if that changes the evaluation a little bit. Like, was he hampered by that? Oh, good call, Might he yeah. be even better? I wonder, I wonder how scouts would look at that. Maybe that's a question that we should have for Jim Nagy later on when we have him on the show here. Executive Director of the Senior Bowl is going to join us here in just a little bit. Uh, so defensive linemen and linebackers test yesterday afternoon and last night. I would say probably the, the players that tested the best overall, Chop Robinson, Edge rusher, uh, Penn State. Braden Fisk, the Florida State DT. Mm-hmm. Dallas Turner, the Alabama pass rusher. Edgerin Cooper, the A&M linebacker. And Peyton Wilson, the NC State linebacker. Peyton Wilson, for a guy that had an ACL his senior year in high school, shoulder surgery his sophomore year, and the injury history is probably the only knock on him. It is. Goes out and runs a 4-4-3. At linebacker and six foot three, over two hundred and thirty pounds. Actually, there's one other knock. He's got short arms, like weirdly short arms. So does yeah. Braden Fisk. But in terms of what he can do on the football field, I've heard Daniel Jeremiah last night during the broadcast said he got Kiko Alonso vibes with Peyton Wilson, and, and I can Ooh, see that I like that because he's kind of a, a high cut, taller linebacker, but really can run range and coverage. Yeah, I would I would argue he's a better coverage prospect than Kiko, Kiko was. was. Kiko was a little stiff in reverse, but like Wilson, see ball, get ball. Like Kiko was off the charts. Yeah, and Wilson is like that, but I think he has the added dimension of being able to drop and cover. He had he has some sick interceptions on his highlight reel like just full extension like you know in that little hook zone you know picking a play I mean he's man he impressed me and to go off something that Chris and I talked about off air linebacker this is kind of stealing Chris's idea but I agree with it 
Linebacker's kind of a sneaky need for the Bills. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, the linebacker room's loaded. Well, it's not loaded if Tyrell Dotson's gone, if Matt Milano's not back until midway point of the season. Well, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Probably not week one, most likely at this point. Um, they're going to lose some free agents. Tyler Maticavich is a free agent. Like some special teams, you need help with the linebacker so, position. For the listeners and the viewers that are like dialed in to receiver and edge and detackle, you might want to look at the Peyton Wilsons, the Edger and Coopers. Notre Dame has two linebackers. Uh, it, it might be a group where it's not viewed as there's not a Devin White or a Devin Lloyd that are going to go super early, but round four, five, it wouldn't be. Yeah. And crazy that's not where Cooper or Wilson's going to live. They're going to probably be off the board, bottom round one, probably top half, round two, but. Looking at the linebacker yeah. group look, is Take a, good a closer idea. look at the yes. linebacker class than yes. maybe you anticipated because yep. it is a sneaky need for Buffalo with all the free agents we mentioned. And then we had Brandon Bean on the show earlier in the week, and he basically said, well, Milano will be back when the pads are back on. That means training camp. But even then he said he's probably on the side and limited. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, well, when is he getting back? And I don't think they have an accurate prognosis Yet, maybe it becomes, maybe there's clarity on that when we get to April, but right now you don't have it. Um, and so now you're looking at Terrell Bernard, Dorian Williams, and Balin Specter. That's it. I mean, that's it. So, yeah, I, I think you do have to take a, a long, hard look at that position. And, you know, let's just say hypothetically, the Bills get to 28, and the value's terrible at defensive tackle, and the value's not good at edge and the receiver you want isn't there, you can't rule out linebacker and an edger in Cooper, who just yesterday ran a 4.51 at 230 pounds and had a 1.54 10-yard split. That's like receiver fast. 1.54 10-yard split. Like, that's your first 10 yards, and it, they use that measurement to gauge explosiveness in an athlete. He's got it. And if you watch his tape, you'll understand why, because I, I said it the other day on the show, that's a guy who made me sit up in my chair when I was watching his tape, he also uh, vertical leaped 34 and a half and broad jumped 9 feet 10 inches. And as we mentioned, the other guy that had a great workout was um, Peyton Wilson, who, as we said, ran a 4.43 at 233 pounds. And then uh, he had a 1.54 Still 10 yard fast. split. I mean, that is. And they had he had a thirty four and a half vertical nine eleven so they almost had identical test numbers those two guys at the top of the linebacker group like yeah, I think they're the going to go one two yep in the draft I think those are widely seen as the two best off ball linebackers in the draft and their testing kind of solidified that don't you think like yeah, I, I mean absolutely. If, if anybody had a question they were all put to rest last night for those two guys absolutely and, and like you said not a major surprise because you watch the film with Edger and Cooper from Texas A&M and Peyton Wilson from NC State. They look like big-time athletes, uh, so it, it would have been a surprise had they not tested well. I want to jump over quickly to the edge rusher spot. Yeah. There's been a little bit of a momentum building for maybe is Chop Robinson going to be available for the Bills at 28. Yeah. Daniel Jeremiah sent him there at his most recent mock. I think Chop Robinson, with his performance last night, tested away from the number 28 pick. He's going to be gone before that. I think he's going to move He's going to go board. earlier because he tested really awesomely, just in terms of the explosiveness, was a little heavier than I think people expected. The name for me, Laiatu Latu, and we can talk to Jim about this because he was a senior bowl guy, mm-hmm. more of the Bills mold at the edge rusher spot, like long. 6'4", long, 259, 260. 259, yeah. 
didn't test as well. And that's I always go back to the Gabe Davis, uh, Brandon Bean, like wanting him to run slower so he could fall. Laiatulachu's film and what he does with his hands. He's more refined. He's more ready to go day one than Chop Robinson. Got more of a counter game. Counter move, swim move, swipe move, spin. He's got it all. Uh, and it felt like he was going to test well. He didn't. I think had he had a, a, the workout of Chop Robinson, would be long gone. Now I think he's more in the, in the uh, realm range. of possibility to maybe not get all the way to 28, but we know the Bills are certainly fine with trading up. Getting maybe into the 20s where, again, if they want to just wait on receiver because there's depth, Laiatu Latu is someone to certainly watch out for after his workout. A little bit yeah. disappointing. I think Darius Robinson is an interesting mm-hmm. player, too, who wasn't expected to light it up from a speed perspective. But uh, as far as leaping ability and that kind of stuff, agility, uh, I think he checked some boxes. 6'5", 285, you know, 34 and a half inch arms. Those are vines. For I mean, arms. you're gonna you're gonna reach the tackle before he reaches you in a lot of cases with arms like that. Not always in the NFL, but his wingspan is almost 84 and a half inches. He's Insane. just a behemoth of a human. Ten and five eighths inch hands, which is the measurement between your pinky and your thumb. So you can almost put a ruler in there. Um, and then he runs sub five second forty four nine five. And his ten yard split is one seven three, which is not bad for somebody that's two two eighty five. Um, his work thirty five inch vertical at two eighty five. That's high. That is insane. Think about getting two hundred eighty five pounds <laughs> off the ground and putting almost three feet under the bottom he's, of your foot. He's a strong dude on film, and his workout overall, despite that vertical being really good, it's more. It's very impressive if you're looking at Darius Robinson as an interior guy most of the time. I think in on first down you can play him at at edge, but in those passing situations, which are certainly growing in the NFL, you probably want him on the interior. And the Bills certainly need yeah. more bodies up front. He is the first guy off the bus type, like six five two eighty five. He's put together. Does man. not have a lot of fat on his body. You and know, it's pretty good. As you as you're saying that. I was thinking to myself, you know, a team that would jump all over him is is a three four defense team like the Steelers. Like, yeah. pl- be your five tech, yep. you know, and just kill it in there. Yeah, because he's long. You know, you need long, you need length when you're playing the bare front, and he would be a perfect five tech for them. And they need line help on both sides of the ball. Um, they just re- they just released their center Mason Cole, mm-hmm. so they need line help on the o- offensive side and. Um, you know, they got some guys getting long in the tooth on the defensive sure. side. Darius Robinson would be perfect for the Steelers, you know, and as a five tech for them. I think, too, with him, because the vertical was good, but the 40 wasn't an edge rusher 40. You obviously want your edges to, to be running faster than 4-9, although they're not going to run, obviously, 40 yards straight down the field very frequently. For as good as he would be in that 3-4 system and 2-gap where they're kind of reading and reacting instead of just attacking on film Darius Robinson is a good pass rusher on the inside he uses that length that you were talking about very well and I think that's more of what the Bills like is the up the field rushers the Ed Oliver types and if they really are want to leaning in or they really want to lean into versatility that's Darius Robinson and he's probably going to be there in the mid to late 20s when the Bills go on the clock yeah as we mentioned Jared Verse absolutely blew it up uh, the defensive tackle and um, I don't know where to come down on him because he's a little, a little undersized. Older. He's a little older. And too. older. 
Um, but the guy runs a four five eight. Uh, is this right? His weight wasn't two fifty four, was it? Yeah, it was. So. He's an outside guy. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know where to come down on him because. Oh, I, you know what? I'm confusing him with the defensive tackle. You're, yeah, you're thinking of Fisk. Fisk. I'm, I'm He's the D tackle. Him with Fisk. Yeah, um, a lot of Florida State guys worked out well last night. Yeah, uh, but verse. Okay, so 35 inch vertical. Uh, the four, three cone was not good for him. No, seven three one. That's not. That's not a good indicator of success. You want to know who tested really well? Whose tape didn't really overwhelm me was the Western Michigan kid, Marshawn Nealon. Mm-hmm. Like. His tape, I was like, okay. I didn't see it on film either. I didn't, I didn't like He tested out of the gym, though. I mean, look at this. 47540 at, at 200, or what is he? 267 pounds. That's four, a big seven, dude. 47540, 166-10-yard split. That's good. 35-and-a-half-inch vertical, 702 three-cone. You want to be, so for the three-cone for edge rushers, it, you want to be around or probably under seven seconds. Yeah. If, if you're in the 260s and you're close to that seven-second threshold, that's the magic number. Yeah. And then his shuttle's really good, 418. 418. If you're that's under, a great shuttle. If you're under 4.2 or 4.3 in the short shuttle, uh, and there's been At a lot 267. of... 267. That's, that's the, the Bills type of bigger outside edge rusher that they seemingly like. You want to be under 4.3 in the short shuttle and around very close to or under seven seconds because yeah. the three-cone... Is predictive like that is a drill where they need to run around. It's redirect, like it, redirect, yeah. and and it, it translates to the game because you need to be able to bend and dip to get around offensive tackles in the NFL. So Jared Verse, good explosion in his workout, and that shows on film. Speed to power guy was super productive after transferring from SUNY Albany to Florida State, by the way. Yeah, but the three cone four three one, he's not that type of player that's going to win like Von Miller around the corner. Yeah, and then. Dallas Turner, who was expected to test well, did. I'm watching him run the 40. He runs a 4.46, and it looked like he was just hanging out. It may even look like he was straining. Um, kind of coasted through the end line there. And then Vert's 40 and a half. There's defensive edge this today. It's insane. Like, how is this possible that edge rushers are jumping as high as receivers and corners? Yeah. He didn't do everything, but... He, he didn't need to after that. No, and then he broad jumped, you know, 10 feet, 7 inches, so... He's yeah. going to probably be the first edge rusher off the board. The yeah, Alabama pedigree. Early in his career, he did play right away. They were talking about this on the broadcast, that he played opposite Will Anderson immediately. The first two years, I thought at Alabama were not great. Will Anderson took off immediately and looked like a future top five pick, like he ultimately was, winning defensive rookie of the year in Houston. But last season, Dallas Turner, without Will Anderson there and all the attention on him, really took off. You look at his pressures, the sacks went up, everything was better from Dallas Turner, and like you're saying, completely aced his combine workout. Yeah, another guy that had a great test was Miles Cole. Um, 6'6", 278, ran a 4.67, 1.65, 10-yard split, 35-inch vert, and a 10-foot broad jump. Uh, he, he did well for himself. And then this other kid who's kind of a mystery for me, the Houston Christian kid, Jalix Hunt, um, pass rusher off the edge, but they used him in a lot of different ways there. I saw him covering slot receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost like he was just the best like, athlete. Yeah, so like, which I, get, everywhere. Yeah, which yeah, I yeah. get at the level of football like that. But yep. he was at the Senior Bowl. So I, I want to ask Jim Nagy about him as well because he's kind of a mystery player to me. Yep. And I think he's just like this ball of moldable clay. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a guy, you ha- if you like him, you have to in- be willing to invest in him because I don't see a lot of the instincts there. Mm-hmm. 
um, I, I think that the school, Houston Christian, kind of almost didn't know what to do with him because he was, to your point, like probably the best athlete on their defense. So they're like, well, he can do that. Let's have him cover a slot receiver. <laughs> oh, well, let's have him rush the passer. Oh, let's have him drop in. Yeah. And I think, and, and we saw this with Jason Peters. 12 years ago at the University of Arkansas, or 15, 20 years ago at the University of Arkansas. Yeah, it's almost 20 years ago. He's the 05 He's draft. A and he won tight a, end. Won a, yeah, well, he played D-line, then they moved him to O-line, and then he played tight end to end his career um, at Arkansas, and nobody knew what he was, and he couldn't, he couldn't refine his game because he never had a home. Yeah. And then the Bills finally say, you're an offensive tackle, and, you know, he's going to be on a rocket ship to the Hall of Fame. Yep. Um, I kind of wonder, is he somebody like that? I'm not saying he's that gifted, but there are some, some physical traits there that you can see. They just haven't been implemented to a position, mm-hmm. um, and he, he hasn't gotten the coaching uh, that I think he needed to develop into something more than just this moldable piece of clay. So I'm very curious uh-huh. to see what Jim Nagy has to say about him. And that's typically the case with the – if you're a small school guy from someone like – Houston or Houston Christian. Christian, yeah. If you're here at the combine, that's probably what you are. You're probably like the scouts see you on film or see you in person and go, "Whoa, that's an NFL caliber athlete." Yeah. And in most cases, they're not the most refined player yet, or they might not even have a positional home. So, kind of makes sense for Hunt. Um, I mean, he's got great numbers, just raw numbers. I mean, he's almost six four, two fifty two. He's got almost. 34 and a half inch arms, wingspan of almost 83 inches, 46440, 1.6 10 yard split Oof. at 252 pounds and 37 and a half inch vert. Like he hit all the testing numbers, so now it's like, all right, what kind of development are we looking at? That's mm-hmm. the question. For sure. Uh, we got to take a break here, uh, and it is OBL Fan Mailbag Friday. I failed to mention that. So if you have any questions about the draft, I mean, we've got Chris here from CBSSports.com. Uh, We're going to have Jim Nagy on the show in just a second, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. And hour number two, we're going to have Greg Cosell, too. So we take a break here. When we come back, we'll have the executive director from the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, up next on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live at the NFL Scouting Combine here on a Friday. Chris Brown, Chris Trapazzo with you, and pleased to be joined now by the executive director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, joining us here to kind of bounce some prospects off of him that he's had a little bit closer look at than the likes of us. Um, And Bills fans are pretty convinced that Gabe Davis is going to sign some big money deal in free agency and be out the door knowing the Bills' cap issues, they're $50 over, probably can't afford to re-sign a guy like that. And so... We begin again to look for the next guy, and it's a good receiver class, as you well know, and you had a handful of them at the Senior Bowl, and I kind of want to rifle through these guys just for your take on them. So I'll, I'll just start with Tez Walker, and we'll go from there. Like just a kind of a thumbnail sketch of what you should expect from him. Sure. No, first of all, thanks for having, oh, thanks yeah, for having me. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I hope Tez has a good week down here because in Mobile, like he was our second fastest player on the Zebra technology stuff that the Bills have at their facility. So it's apples to apples for the league. Um, so he got open deep. I mean, he got open, he got open all week. He struggled finishing on the football. Um, you didn't see that on his college tape. So I hope 
the week kind of snowballed on him, but he's a true deep threat. He's very smooth. Um, corners really underestimate him because he's coming off the line. And he, just real, he doesn't look like he's Long moving. Long strider, you know, right? He's, he's by you. Yep. Um, so, yeah, he's a guy that, uh, you know, coming into our week, Daniel Jeremiah you know, it pumped him up on our – we do a, we do a uh, roster reveal show on the NFL Network, and, and DJ talked about him maybe being a first-round pick. Uh. Um, and then he struggled catching the ball. So, but yeah, he's he's uh, he's been through a lot in his life. If you Google if you Google uh, Tez Walker and what he's been through, he's been through a lot. I think the teams are going to like that. He's he's really persevered. Um, but he's one of the best deep threats in this draft. Did you call him more of a straight line guy, or no? He, no, he's not. And that's a good question because a lot of those guys, when you call them home run threats and yeah. deep threats, they are. They're just kind of this. Um, no, he's 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 got a, he's got a little bit of this. He can run some routes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the biggest fan i'm i'm the conductor of the javon baker train (laughs) i'm like hey if the bills want to pick him at 28 go ahead and do it talk about the week that he had in mobile which i'm pretty sure was pretty good but you can get into more of the intricacies of what happened there and then just again that that thumbnail sketch of what type of player he is transferring from alabama to ucf and then culminating with that week in mobile yeah think about that that room he was in in tuscaloosa Uh with you know (laughs) Waddle and Judy and Rugs and all those guys. Um, so he was a bit of a difficult eval for me because sometimes along the way, like you, you hear things and they stick in your head and you got to fight it. So I was at a, an Auburn game this fall. My son actually goes to school at Auburn. So I'm in the press box and I'm talking to a group of scouts about guys that would seen it. I was asking them about the smaller schools in Florida. Like I'd seen all the Florida tape. I'd seen Miami. I'd seen Florida State. But I'm like, is there anyone at USF? Is there anyone at UCF? Is there anyone at FAU, FIU? Um, And a couple of the guys brought up Baker, and they're like, I just don't think he can run. And so, like, that stuck in the back of my mind. And I'm watching the tape. I'm like, God, I don't see that. You know, yeah. I don't see a Me guy either. that can't run. Yeah. Um, and you talk about route running with the, this guy can run routes now. I mean, he can snap off routes. He's got really cool ball skills. Um, and he can run it. So he's a he's – a, it's cool to see him kind of ascend. He was really – I'm just being honest. Like, he was down the line for us. Um, I don't think we added Baker until – the beginning of January, wow. like he wasn't one of those invites that went on in November, and now because I had that speed question, I think the, the scouts, just, <laughs> the teams just didn't seem that high on him. You um, almost wanted to see for yourself. <laughs> so now I'm really glad that he he came down and had a good week, and because of guys like you, he's he's building traction, and and uh, and I, I had I've had a number of NFL teams be like, I'm really glad you brought him because we saw him against really good really good group of corners, and he got open all week. So uh, yeah, he's a good one. He's kind of a sleeper. Uh, Xavier Leggett, I know he comes to the Senior Bowl and he only measures six one, and people are like, "Oh, he's not as tall as I thought he was." Um, but I don't know that that matters if you watch his tape because he is dynamic. Um, there are a lot of people that think if he tests well here and he's expected to, that he could start to creep up into the bottom around one where the Bills are sitting. Um, just your thoughts on him and. What you feel he is? Well, those people that thought he was like six three or six four don't follow me on Twitter because I put yeah, it out there did, in the he spring. Did. I mean, yeah. he, he was six oh oh seven. He's not even six one. Yeah, um, but he plays big, which is important. That's yeah. way more. I'd rather have a six one guy that plays big than a six three guy that doesn't. Um, He's one of the best stories in the draft. I mean, this guy, again, talking about off the radar, when we did South Carolina over the summer, I didn't even watch this guy. Uh. Um, and then he comes out. He had 100 and – I'm doing this off the top of my head. I think he had 167 yards as a junior in 2022 total. And then he goes out week one against North Carolina as 178 yards in the first game. 
And I'm, I'm, wow. I'm like, okay, now we got something here. Watch the tape. And it, he was fast. And he was making contested catches. And this guy, he's run down on kickoff team. He's run down on punt team. He's returned kicks. He does the dirty work. So he's got like this cool background that all the teams are going to like from his pre. And then he has this breakout year this year. Um, and I think he is going to test well. I mean, if you're just going off the tape, I think he could run it. I think he could touch in the high four threes, um, and, oh, I, and I hope wow. he does. And I hope he does because he there, there's at tape, that weight that would be impressive. Yeah, at 227 pounds or 225, crazy. whatever we weighed in yeah. at here. I mean, there's you've seen the tape. I mean, yeah. He pulls away from people. That's what I was going to ask. He you. runs away gonna, from. That people. was going to be my follow up because you see it, and he's just. You don't expect a guy that's that thickly built, yeah, to be pulling away from like thin frame DBs who look like track guys in the Georgia. SEC, at Georgia. Right. <laughs> and then he does it. And it's just like, oh, my God, what's this guy going to run? Like, I'm really intrigued to see what his 40 time is going to be. Because if he does what you think he's going to do, he is going to be in the bottom of the first round. And I'll say this, too, about Xavier Leggett. Um, I really appreciate guys that come to Mobile that aren't 100% and still want to go through the week. And you, you go back and watch our practice tape. He had a lower leg wrap on yeah. I forget which leg it was. Um, but he wasn't 100%. He went out there and, and went through the week and practiced every day. Um, you know, Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from, from Oregon, did the same thing. He came in with a hamstring injury and popped it at the end of the second day. Uh, but, no, I, I, I really think Leggett is a guy, um, you know, in terms of, like, height, weight, speed in this draft that can also run routes. I mean, I posted a clip on Twitter the other day of this guy, like, sinking at the top of a route, like, breaking off a route. I mean, there are not too many guys his size that can do that. Mm-hmm. So he would be, you know... Late one, hopefully for him, but uh, I don't think he's getting out of the top 50 picks. Right. Yeah. Do you think there's any concern with him that there was only that one year of high-level production? Was that guys in front of him? Was there any backstory to why that happened? Because he, on film, like you're saying, this year, it's like, how did this guy only have 167 yards in 2022? Right. Now, there's been other good receivers at, at South Carolina, but I think, you know, dig it into it a little bit. Um, he was just a little slow to mature, and that okay. happens with these guys, right? Like, there, was, there wasn't any off-the-field issues. There's no character concerns. Like, some guys just, you know, the work ethic clicks, and talking to the guys, Shane Beamer and those guys this year, his work ethic from the end of last season and the work he put in to to the start of this season that's what it was all about this guy worked his tail off and now that you know now that's who he is he saw the results too like you put in the work you see the results okay this is why i'm the player i am now he's going to keep working so in a in a draft class that has its fair share of x true x receivers lad mcconkey is a guy that can line up outside he's not an x but it almost seems like he's tailor-made skill set wise for slot play would you agree he's with that? Good, he's going to be really good in there, and he can play outside because he can run. You know, a lot of times you just stick guys inside because, the, you know, they can't get vertical. Um, Lad was just going back to the summer when we did the junior tape. Mm. Um, Roma Dunsey was our top-rated senior um, wide receiver on our board, and Lad was two. Mm. And, uh, and so, no, Lad's a guy that I really like because he's quick and fast. He can run routes. He can separate. He can play inside-outside. He can return punts like – I know he was dinged up a little bit this year, but we all saw what that George offense was like when he's full go. I mean, this guy's ready. This guy's ready to go. Um, we've seen we like last year we had Puka Nakua from the Senior Bowl came in right away, and Tank Dell and Jaden Reed. We had a lot of guys from last year's receiver mm. group. Um, like to me, Lad, if you draft Lad, like he's on the field next year and he's catching 60, 70, 80 balls mm. for you. Do you think he's going to test well enough to be late one, early two? Because I, I think he's a good athlete on film. I, I don't think he's 
great route runner with great hands, but limited athlete. I, I feel like he could ultimately test his way into the back portion of the first oh, round. I agree. Yeah, I think he's explosive. I, it would not surprise me at all if he gets into the you know four three seven four three eight again. Mm. The vertical speed showed up more on twenty twenty two tape. You saw him playing outside more and. And getting vertical, I don't know if that was because of the injury this year that they didn't really let him open up as much. Okay. Uh, but he can go. He can get down the field. That was the only knock off his junior tape is that he got vertical and, and he didn't finish on a few. He dropped some deep balls that he could have converted for Stetson Bennett. Um, but, yeah, I would be more surprised if he ran high 4-4s four than if he ran high 4-3s. Okay, yep. I think he's going to, you know, if he's in the, if he's in, I would expect lower 4-4, four, four, but uh, high 4-3 is possible. Uh, if you needed a poster child for what the Senior Bowl does for people. It might be Malachi Corley. Um, converted running back, right? So, I mean, this guy, <laughs> he comes down there and puts together a pretty nice week. Um, I know it's a deep receiver class, which might probably push him down the board maybe further than he would in a, in a lighter class. Do you do you kind of like the week that he was able to put together there? Like, yeah, he he and Lad were the two receivers that were voted practice player of the week on their mm-hmm. side, um, and again, that's voted on by the other team's defensive backs. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's meaningful. You sure. know, that's that's the one thing when I got to the Senior Bowl. That's one of the tweaks that I made was, you know, I don't I don't we don't need scouts and myself voting on the players of the week. I want to know from the guys that yeah, they. That's to right. me, yeah. to me, that's more meaningful if you're a player. Um, yeah, Corley's a guy that because it's a, a group. It's weird to say group of five players are small school players now, but because of the portal, that's basically what they are. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. we don't, we didn't. I think we were averaging, you know, ten, eleven, twelve guys that were FCS, Division two, II, Division three. My first four or five years at the Senior Bowl, and now I think we're down to maybe five this year. Um, so that number is really so. A group of five player. Yes, he did. He play up in a couple games. He did, but to see him against the DB crew that we had in Mobile this year helped a lot. And then to see him run routes that we didn't we didn't see you know a lot of routes run of in, that, in that Western Kentucky offense. But the one thing that carries over, um, you know, from college tape to pro tape, if you can if you can do things with the ball in your hands, which Corley can. Yeah. There's been a lot of Debo Samuel comparisons. I hate that because that's it's putting a lot on Malachi <laughs> Corley to call him Debo Samuel. Uh, but he is. Really Really aggressive and strong and powerful with the ball in his hand. So, um, yeah, I think again, I think he'll go somewhere in round two. Yeah, switching gears to the defensive side, we saw Braden Fisk from Florida State. He, he's continued that rise. He started in Mobile, had a great week there. Give us your thoughts on him, and I'll go super specific with this. Really short arms, but on film, I didn't really see that creating a lot of an issue. And then last night, test through the roof. Do you see him as someone, as a solidified day two guy? The Bills do need some help next to Ed Oliver on that defensive line. Yeah, certainly day two. I think coming into Senior Bowl, just based off the feedback we got in the fall when we and we did invite Braden right out of the shoot. He was one of my favorite guys on tape this year. But I still thought like fourth round is yeah. where he was probably going to go. Um, and then after Mobile, I Definitely day two, and after yesterday, maybe I mean, shoot, he's, he, I don't think he gets out of the second round. Yep. Um, maybe, but I totally agree on the arm length thing. You don't see that show up. He's so active with his hands, um, and he's so quick off the ball. If you go back over the Senior Bowl practice tape and watch every rep this guy takes in like team periods, he's the first one in the, in, in the game. He's the first one off the ball every single snap. Wow. It's unbelievable. So he gets on you. He gets on you yeah. quick, and he's so good with his hands. Um, it's just a fun story, man. I mean, the Western Michigan kid that. Um, He's just got a great attitude, and, 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 and I don't need to tell the whole story, but he's, we flipped him on game day. He practiced all week with the American team. We, <laughs> we, we have some roster attrition on Saturday morning. The D-line coach for the national team's freaking out. He doesn't have enough inside guys. 
I call Braden up. I'm like, hey, dude, meet me down by the escalators here in 20 minutes. I got to talk to you about something. <laughs> and uh, and the reason I picked him for that was because I knew he wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah. I mean, some of the other guys I looked and like that's that's hard for a player. You go through a week with a bunch of teammates, and he's like, he's like, coach, I don't care. I just want to play. Yeah. Um, so again, you're talking about like the right makeup. The right practice habits, you know, elite tester. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he did yesterday was ridiculous. Crazy. And then you put on the tape, and he's super disruptive. I mean, so and it doesn't for the for the Bills fans that want to know about Braden Fisk, and maybe they're pulling him up, like sack production, TFL production. All I'm going to say is like this guy is the guy that blows stuff up, disruptor. and other people clean up for him. Yeah, I mean, he's the he's the disruptor. When I watched his get off. The first person I thought of, and maybe this is my buffalo myopia, but I, I was like, wow, there's a little Kyle Williams in there. Taller, like, but yes. Yes, but like the get-off, because yes, Kyle's absolutely. always like a half a beat ahead of everybody, and yep. he is too. Yep. Um, this guy's an enigma for me, so I need yep. your help. Jalix Hunt, um, Houston Christian, yep. tests great yesterday. Would you consider, and I kind of see him like this, because I was watching his tape, and I'm trying to get a handle on him. Um he looks like a raw guy that's like this moldable piece of clay. Yep. So if you're a team that's going to draft him, you have to invest time in him, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's uh, again, I get caught up in the backstory of the player sometimes because I think it helps paint a picture. But this guy, was in the, this guy was in the Ivy League a few years ago playing safety. And now he goes to Houston. He's wow. used, and he just kept growing and growing. And yeah. he goes to Houston Christian. He's playing outside linebacker. Um, a couple things on Jalex. Yeah, we saw the testing yesterday. It was at the top of everything. Yeah, ridiculous. Expected, though, really. really explosive. The yeah. thing that stood out during Senior Bowl week was the physicality, mm. setting the edge in some of the run periods. I mean, this mm. dude is you, – you worry about that. Okay, Ivy League kid, DB. Like, how physical is this guy going to be at the right. point of attack? And he was cracking people down in Mobile, so he's got that to him. And then you got this athlete. So yes, are you gonna are you picking him for twenty twenty four season? Probably not. He'll probably be a really good special teams player, but you're drafting him for twenty five, twenty six, and see what you can hit on. But again, competitor, made of the right stuff, confident. Sometimes we bring small school players to the Senior Bowl; they're a little overwhelmed. Mm. Um, this dude's wired right, so I'm excited to see what he's going to be in two or three years. Last one for me. Uh, I have to ask you about Cameron Kinchins. The Bills hire Jamila Dye from the University of Miami. My guy. So tell me about, like, going into this last season, like, watching Kinchin's junior film. I was like, this is a first-round guy all the way. 2023 was still good. The production was still there. Maybe not quite as good. Do you still think he is, like, a, I don't want to say elite level, like, top 16, top 10 overall pick, but how do you kind of view him after his 2023 season? I just don't think a lot of safeties go in the first round. That's yeah. true. You know, That's like, I, it's just a position teams like to wait on. Um, I do think he goes somewhere in day two. I think he's a starter, most importantly. I mean, I, I always defer back to working for a team, and you can say what you want about these guys, describe them, talk about them, and ad nauseum, but what are they going to be? I think Kinchins is a starter, starter. Um, and he can run. He's, he's interchangeable. He's got some free. He's got some strong to his skill set, so he's a cool player that way. And, again, just another guy. Like, we could bring juniors to the game this year, um, and he, he's been a guy that's been projected high, mm-hmm. and he didn't bat an eye. He wanted yeah. to come compete. Jim, thanks for the time, as always. We yeah. appreciate it. Uh, it's kind of cool to get, like, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, the escalator story. That's fantastic. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> who's going to know that? I mean, but that's kind of the same stuff that scouts and GMs are looking for, like that story carries weight 
for people like that. I just want to play coach. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? That kind of thing. Um, yep. So, yeah, thanks for sharing. We really appreciate it. Yeah, guys. And thanks you've done a great job it. with the Senior Bowl, by the way. Way to Thank grow you. that thing. It's really, really, really good for the players, and you're getting better players because of it. Uh, we got to take a break, but when we come back, we've got more to discuss with the testing from last night. And coming up in hour number two, we've got our good friend Greg Crosell joining us as well to dive into some more prospects here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live here at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Chris Brown, Chris Trapasso with you. Good conversation there with Jim Nagy. And we didn't even get to a couple of players we wanted to ask him about. I know you wanted to ask him about Latu, and I wanted to ask him about these two offensive tackles. I'm just getting started now on the offensive linemen. I was trying to gravitate towards perceived positions of need for the Bills, but now I'm kind of trickling down to offensive tackle, and I was watching Patrick Paul from Houston, who was a behemoth. 36-inch arms or something like that? 36 and a quarter, Um, and which is like, hello, my arm is over three feet long, uh, (laughs) which is just nuts. The last guy I can remember with super long arms like that for the Bills is Cordy Glenn. He had 36 and a quarter inch arms also um, and was an effective left tackle. I still remember GM Buddy Nix at the time, they were like, uh the draft gurus project him to guard and he looked at everybody and he goes he's a tackle for us yeah he's a tackle for us like that's how he said it <laughs> um he said because it you you could time people with a sundial to get around him he was he wasn't was, it didn't it come out that like buddy Nix was the one that was pushing that because he, he was wanted only, Cordy to fall i don't know but he was the only he said from the start buddy wasn't oh, okay. really good about he was a straight shooter yeah, he wasn't he was, really good about throwing people off the scent <laughs> i'll yeah, just okay, say that okay, okay. um and he, he was convinced. Like people were talking about Cordy Glenn as a guard, and how you, why you drafting a guard in the second round? And he's like, he is a tackle, and we think he can play left tackle for he was us. Good. And he was an effective player before foot injuries kind of caught up with him and stuff. Um, very effective. Um, yeah. So anyway, Patrick Paul, University of Houston, and Rose, uh, Roger Rosengarten right tackle for University of Washington were two guys that I wanted to ask Jim about. Didn't get a chance to. Both of them were down at the Senior Bowl. They couldn't be more different. Um, Paul is kind of a passive, you know, pass pro, catch the guy and just kind of latch on. And I will say this, once he latches on, it's over. Like, people don't get away from that Mm -hmm. guy. And with 36-inch arms, you're making contact first every single time. There's no defensive end I can think of with over 36-inch arms. So you're always initiating the contact. For sure. And I always, with those longer, bigger offensive tackles, just think of the arc that they create for edge rushers to have to get around. So even if they're not winning cleanly with Paul, you're not always getting no. super clean wins. You look at his numbers, he barely allowed any pressures because even when he lost, the edge rusher was winning after like three and a half or four seconds. It just takes so long to get around yeah. him because he's so big. Meanwhile, Rosengarten... Um, you watch him play, and he is aggressive with his hands. He wants to hand fight you. You know that's a guy that you'd say you want to take him into the alley with you if you think there's going to be trouble because he gets out of that stance. He fires out, and you know he he wants to fight you. Um, and I, it was funny. We were just talking with Nagy after he left, and I said I couldn't believe it. There's this defensive end, and he knew exactly the play I was talking about. Like this pass rusher lines up in a wide nine alignment, so he's way wide, 
and Rosengarten comes out of his stance, and he realizes there's a ton of space between him and the pass rusher, and most tackles don't want that much space between them, but you also don't want to overplay the down. And lunge. Then, yeah, lunge and get beat easy, but he jump sets this guy from like three yards away. I was like, whoa! He's like super mobile, and he's yes, big. Yes, and you big. don't see that a lot from tackles being that aggressive in pass pro, but he jumps at the guy, and all of a sudden he was all in his kitchen, and the guy didn't know what to do because he had his hands on his breastplate already, yep. and he couldn't go anywhere. I was like, that it was a really impressive rep from him. Uh, so I real I actually like him better than Patrick Me Paul, too. and a lot of people have Paul ahead of Rosengarten just because of the measurables. I I, I like Rosengarten better. It, it's just like flavor, like some teams like to me that that pop up there with Patrick Paul would be like the Baltimore Ravens. They drafted that Minnesota like 400-pound offensive line. Oh, yeah. Years the, ago. The, totally blanking on his name now. They like they they signed Morgan Moses in free agency, who is a bigger dude coming out of Virginia in 2014. Some teams like size and power and 6'6 and 36-inch arms. Rosengarten's not small, but it seems like for as big and tall as Spencer Brown is, um, and Deion Dawkins is certainly not a smaller tackle. The Bills lean into the athleticism. We've talked about it with Brown, with Tremaine Edmonds back in the day, with, with Allen, with Greg Rousseau. They like the high-caliber athletes, and I think Rosengarten is going to test a lot better than Patrick Paul and is more mobile for those you know, pin and pull, get to the second level, um, out on wide receiver screens. He's better in that regard. He's very mobile for being 6'5", yeah. Yeah, I can't think of that. Daniel Falele. Yeah, it. yeah. Daniel Falele. Minnesota, right? Yep. Yeah. He caught a touchdown pass in college. I remember <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, guys Baltimore like likes those nine. bigger guys. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if he's on their roster anymore. I think, I think he yeah, he's one of the backups. Is he I back think. there? Yeah. Okay. we got to take a break, though, because when we come back, hour number two will begin with our good friend, senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell. going to talk receivers with him as well uh, before he heads over to the Lucas Oil Stadium to watch the quarterbacks throw later this afternoon. It's One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to our number two here at the NFL Combine on a Friday. Chris Brown, Chris Trapasso with you, and look who we got on his regular di- day <laughs> during the season. Uh, senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, who is uh, here and ready to watch quarterbacks throw in about an hour, but took some time to join us. Good to see you, Greg, as always. And uh, we know you've been dicing up the receivers, I mean, so we I mean, figure you know, we're trying to get there. Yeah, know, so. I feel like the Super Bowl just happened yesterday, so I'm a little behind. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we I all mean, feel yeah, yeah, we yeah, all feel yeah, behind. Yeah. Right, right. There's no time <laughs> to hit the pause button. It's <laughs> right, right. ever. Um, <laughs> but let's jump right into the receiver class. Sure. There are a lot of Bills fans that are interested in the class as a whole. Um, it's a good one, Chris. There seems to, yeah, I know, yeah. there, and and with true X receivers, which is what the Bills are perceived to need knowing that Gabe Davis is probably out the door signing a free agent deal elsewhere. So 
With that in mind, we're going to start with a guy who looks like a true ex in every sense of the word in Brian Thomas. And there's, and I know you don't really care about debating where he might go. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> but there's some debate. He could be gone as early as 15, or he may leak down to where the Bills pick. But what is maybe the most appealing trait about a guy who seems to have a pretty complete skill set? Which is his most appealing trait for Brian Thomas? Well, let's talk from the Bills' perspective. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Overall length, stride length, vertical dimension. They don't have any of that. No. Mm -hmm. And I think that, to me, when I watched his tape, I came away feeling like he was an ascending player. You know, that he would continue to get better. That what we've seen of him at LSU was not going to be what he is. That he hasn't stopped right there. Okay. That he's going to get better. Um I know that he works with T.J. Hushmanzada, and I've heard he's a phenomenal kid. Um, and I think he's going to get better and better. Um, he's long, uh, which is a trait, by the way. You know, I had to learn that, you know, Chris, years ago when I started really doing college players' evaluations in earnest. It goes back, I can't remember how many years, a while ago. But, I, you know, I'd see tall guys with stride length, and I never really took that into account. And then I kind of realized, wait a second, that's a trait. Because when they get free access, they eat up ground in a hurry. Yeah, they get up on yeah, that corner's up, toes yeah, yeah. and force them into an uncomfortable decision. Exactly. So I really like uh, Brian Thomas a lot, and I think you're right. He's more than just a vertical dimension. You know, I think that there's a lot to him. I think he can work the middle of the field. Um, so, yeah, I, I who knows where he gets drafted, but this is a deep receiver class. It's deep in other areas, too, so you don't know how the draft's going to yeah. play out. So let me follow up on that real quick because there is some talk that, well, you know, the LSU receivers just won all day on slants and fades and didn't really show you too much more of their route tree on a consistent basis. Um, I don't know how legitimate you would consider that argument because I guess it, it left people wanting to see more of a route tree from Brian Thomas. Do you feel you saw enough of it? Uh, certainly his skill set would indicate he's capable of it, but what do, what do you say to that? Would, give me a little devil's advocate to you that know, if you could. You know, uh, Brownie, I've never been a big, big believer in that part of it um, because I think ultimately the routes you mentioned, they run a lot in the NFL, by the way. Yeah. You know, I think of teams, even good teams, like I think of someone who's big like T. Higgins and Thomas who, you know, not that it's an apples-to-apples comparison, but, yeah. you know, T. Higgins runs a lot of glance routes and slant routes mm-hmm. and a lot of vertical routes. These are routes that are run quite frequently in the, in yeah. the NFL. Um, so, you know, He's going to be taught things anyway when he gets to the next level. You know, he's, he, obviously he'll run a few more routes, but no receiver runs every route in the book. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really work that way. Right. So I've never really seen that as, as an argument that, that should limit what, how you view a receiver. Shouldn't be a knock. It shouldn't be a knock, correct. Okay. On that note, athletically on film, do you think Thomas – even if he's not running a ton of routes now and you're going to show him other routes, or maybe he'll never have to, do you think he has the athleticism and the flexibility being even a bigger receiver to get open on a as much of a consistent basis as he will need to in the NFL? Yeah, I do. I mean, okay. it might not happen day one in training camp yeah. or, or the first Sunday of the season, but yes, I think that he's got... The body type, because he's he's not thin, thin, but he certainly is not a he's heavy guy. He's not 230. Guy. Right, right. 
Right. Um, normally those heavier guys, and we'll get to one of those guys, I'm sure, shortly, but I think he's got the, the body type, the flexibility, the movement skills where he's able to do that. And plus, so much of route running, Chris, that you're talking about, a lot of that is detail and nuance, how you use your vertical stem, can you get a corner off a spot, can you get his body turned. Those are more nuanced elements of route running, which you can be taught. Okay. All right, so let's move on to a guy whose basketball background is very apparent when you watch him play football, Keon Coleman, you know, who comes from Michigan State, actually played for Tom Izzo yep. for the Michigan State Spartans, and it's no surprise the guy wins just about every jump ball he's a part of. Uh, and here we go again with a little bit of a knock. They say, well, uh, not a consistent separator, but no. it doesn't seem like he needs to if he's winning it. <laughs> Every jump ball and contested catch, seemingly. Uh, but do you, could, could you see that as a little bit of a concern for some teams, uh, along with just the one year of major production? Yeah, I kept going back and forth on, on Coleman. Um, there were times I really liked him, and there were other times I just was uncertain. Um, I feel like there's a lot in his body, Brownie. Like, in other words, there's, there's much to cultivate. Okay. I don't know... Uh, if he's ready right away, I mean, he made a couple of great catches. You know, we, we know he can do that. He's probably going to – he'll come in at over 6'3". He's listed at 6'4". Sometimes we know that that's not exactly right. right, right. right. But he's going to come in at probably in the 6'3 range. Um, he did make one catch that was ridiculous this year, and there's no question he can make contested catches, which, of course, plays to the boundary X element that you were speaking yeah. about, you know, that single receiver to the short side of the field that has to be able to make contested catches. Um, I think he can do that. Um, I think uh, as far as the, the, the nuance of the position, he needs a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't like him overall as much as others, but I saw that there was something there. And I, it just I think it needs work. Might take a little longer for it all to click. Yes, yes. All right, moving across the country to Oregon, Troy Franklin. Yeah. It's obvious he's a burner. He's, he's going to be 6'3", 180. He should be a burner at that size. To me, beyond the uh, added element of explosive plays down the field. I think the Bills offense needs to plan ahead for 2025. Post-Stephon Diggs era, most likely. Um, just thinking long-term, do you think, this is kind of general, do you think, from what you saw in, uh, with Troy Franklin on film, that he can be more than a vertical separator and be that relatively nuanced route runner who can you know, garner 150 targets and be a number one eventually in the NFL? I would I would answer that more in the affirmative than the negative. Um, I like Troy Franklin. There's no question, Chris. He's a vertical guy. No question. He can run. Um, I think he tracks the ball really well. But he also ran in that offense because it was a very defined, structured offense with Bo Nix. He ran a lot of shorter routes. He ran a lot of inbreakers. Mm-hmm. He worked the middle of the field pretty effectively. He yep. lined up in the slot too. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so I think that he can. D- do more than just be a vertical dimension. He's a receiver I really like because of his speed. Um, where did the Bills draft, Brandon? 28. 28. You know, it's so hard to know, and I'm not, you know, I'll be the first to admit I'm not good at that kind yeah, of stuff, yeah. but he could well be there depending on how the draft plays out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm just such a firm believer that with Josh Allen, the Bills need speed. They don't have any speed. At they haven't receiver. had it since John Brown. Right. Um, what, what do you say to the critics of his stature? We have examples in the league of slight frame guys that have, I guess, for the most part, been able to stay at Devonta Smith, which, you know, who's right under your nose where right, you right. are. Like, I don't know how many games he's missed in his short Hardly career. Any. Hardly right? Any. 
But then you have like a Tank Dell who was tearing up the league and then breaks his leg. I don't uh, know what fluke, level of fluke. Right. Yeah, yeah. What level of concern do you think there is for slighter framed receivers, especially now that we're playing 17 regular season games? And should that be a factor in the equation at all? Brownie, less than there ever has been. You think of a lot of these receivers drafted high. Go back to Addison a year ago from SC. My size. 172 pounds. I think the way the game has changed now with the motion with these receivers, with getting the free access into their routes, with more location uh, diversity within the formation for receivers, I I think that that sort of knock, you know, if you want to present it as such, against smaller receivers is kind of falling away a little bit. Okay. You know, I think that... That's you, why I asked. Yeah, you can get these guys in motion. You can get them off the ball. You know, you can create... Yeah, they're lining receivers up in the backfield now. Right. You can get them anywhere to give them free access off the ball. So... You know, I don't think with Franklin, you know, obviously, and, and who knows what you can get him up to in the, at the NFL level. You'll never get him up to 205, I'm sure. But maybe you get him up to 188, in which case that's fine. Then, yeah. then he's not really too, too, too light. So, but I don't think that's a big – let's put it this way. If he's, if he's not to make it, I don't think that would be the reason. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Another receiver uh, that, to me, I like. Uh, he's a little enigmatic for me. It's kind of hard to really peg him. Texas's A.D. Mitchell. Uh, Talk about what you really like about him, and he feels like, or at least to me, he feels like someone that has his best football in front of him because we didn't really see him play a lot of football. No, he's a Georgia transfer, Mm -hmm. so he had the big year this year in Texas. I loved A.D. Mitchell. Now, I loved him, for instance, far more than Coleman, and they're similar in size. I think Mitchell's more explosive. Um, I think he's more sudden for his size. Um, I really like Mitchell's tape a lot. I came away from watching Mitchell feeling that, and again, I don't know the kid, so, you know, and again, sure. and now it depends where he goes to. You know, we all know there's a lot of factors involved. Yeah. But I came away feeling like this guy could be a top 10 receiver in the league within three years. Mm. I mean, I think this okay. guy has really high-level traits. Um, you know, a lot of people point to the Alabama game when he made some catches against Kool-Aid McKinstry, particularly one in the in the low red zone where he just really ran a great route and beat him. I don't know if you remember that play. Yeah, I do. You know, um, but Impressive I, at his size doing that. What's that? Like, impressive at oh, his size I mean, yeah, doing that. I, I really like A.D. Mitchell a lot. He, uh, I was telling Chris this when we were off the air. To me, he kind of stands out as a clutch performer. It seems like the bigger the game, the better he is, whether it's Texas's upset of Alabama this year. He scores two touchdowns in that game, yep. and he's played in five college football playoff games in his career. He has a touchdown in every yeah. one of them. I mean, to me... That's the clutch gene. You can't always describe what it is, right, but right. you know it when you see it, and yeah. it seems like he has that. Yeah, and he's just really gifted. I mean, I, I, he, I didn't know a ton about him. I mean, I, obviously, he played at Georgia. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's not as if I never saw him. Right, right. But I, I didn't know a lot about him. Yeah, you know? and he missed a lot of time his last year at, at Georgia because of the high ankles. Correct. So that was the thing. He missed a lot of time. So, uh, you know, when I, when I really put on the tape, uh, probably – Two three weeks ago, can't remember exactly when. I was kind of blown away. Mm. I, I he he became, you know. Again, I don't usually make lists, and and receivers are different. Like you know, I wouldn't compare him to. Like to me, it's not a comparison to say, well, who do you like better, Mitchell or Lad McConkey? To me, they're not comparable. They're totally totally different, different guys. Yeah, yeah. But I mean. On a certain level, if I really had to make a list, he might be my fourth receiver. If I really, if somebody said to me, "You better Mitchell. make a list, or else," yeah, Mitchell, Mitchell would be yeah. fourth. Okay. Yeah. Do wow. you think he's 
because he hasn't really played a lot, just the one year of high-level production, do you think he can hit the ground running, so to speak, and be that 50 to 60 to 70 catch guy in year one? Or is it more you draft him and you're saying, like you said, in three years you're getting a top 10 receiver? That would depend to me on two things, maybe not only two things, but two things for sure. The kind of kid he is and the wide receiver coach. Okay. Those two things would dictate, yep. you know, and again, like I said, there's probably other factors. You know, none of us know the kid. Yeah, no. You know, so you don't know the answer to that. But, you know, if he's really susceptible to coaching, how he handles it, work ethic, all those things that go into the fact that the NFL game is not the college game and how he's coached. You know, I mean, you know, now you gotta you got to coach these kids. The, the, the NFL is a different game. You can't just say, hey, man, you're, you're 6'3", you're smooth, you're great. You know what? you got to go out and separate. you got to coach these <laughs> yeah, kids, yeah. you know? Right. And he's supposed to test off, off the charts. He could very well do that. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. Uh, it, did you have a follow-up to Yeah, that? quick follow-up. Playing devil's advocate because I do like him, but I said it's a little mystery for me. What about yards after the catch? Do you think he wasn't used in a role that, you know, got him the ball in space? Because I saw on film, someone that wasn't a big yards after right, the catch right. guy, and we know how important that is. Do you think that's in a different role he can be a good yards after the catch guy like a Brian Thomas is at a similar size? I do. Okay. okay. And yards after catch is, to me, more often a function of the quarterback, and I think mm. Quinn Ewers was a little erratic with his ball location yep. at times, okay. um, So whereas Jaden Daniels was not. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think, I think that's in his body clearly. Okay. All right. Talking about yards after catch, how about Xavier Leggett from South Carolina? This guy, for a man that is 225 pounds, six foot one, you're not expecting him after the catch to pull away from DBs who look like track athletes, and yet he, right, right, and right. Yet he does it on film. Yeah, right. He looks like he's too thickly built to be capable of doing that, and yet there he goes, and right. you can't get him. So now, Brownie, you have to think about guys who've looked like him coming into the league. And again, that's what teams do. They play oh, the for percentages. Sure. For sure. You yeah, know, they, they look at a guy that's 6'1", I believe he was 223 at the senior ball. Yeah. So like you said, 225-ish, give or take. How many guys like that, and again, he may be the exception, but how many guys like that it's, have really become basically time? Debo Samuel? That's it. That's the only Brown guy I can too. think of. Oh, uh, AJ's, big, AJ's bigger, though. Yeah. He's taller, he's isn't bigger. he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think so, actually. AJ Brown? Yeah, isn't he like six? Is he he's no, he's more, about the same size. The same, same height? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so AJ Brown, so Debo Samuel? The other guy, DJ Moore's the, and, in there. And then the, then the guy you have to be careful about who. who a lot of people liked, including myself mm. when he came out, who didn't make it as LaVisca Chenault. Yeah. Very, uh. si- very similar build. Now, again, I'm not saying he can't be a really good player. Okay. But he's, he's a big, thick kid who's fast with the ball in his hands, not necessarily as fast as a route runner. And those are two different things. Okay. Um, so, yes, is there like a Debo Samuel element to him with the ball in his hands? Perhaps. Um, but I... I I think you'd have to do a lot of due diligence on him to try to figure out exactly how you deploy him in the context of your offense. So he might be a little bit more raw right? and lacks route savvy. Yes. So that's, again, now you're counting on, to your point on the last guy, your receiver's coach to kind of get more out of him and refine him so right. he can maximize every skill he has. Right. I mean, right now, he's the kind of guy you'd probably throw tunnel screens to. You'd use him on jet sweeps. And all that's great. But he still has to be a receiver. Sure. He still has to be a receiver. Okay. That's interesting. I and hadn't thought about that. I think that's especially interesting because we heard Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean earlier this week talk about 
explosive plays, and they both specifically mentioned, which I'm a big advocate of, run after the catch. So to me, with Leggett, if the Bills did pick him, it would have to be like, all right, we know that you're not going to run all the routes, uh, but let's just use you in that jet sweep, well, tunnel screen type you role know, early on. And I think one reason they mentioned run after the catch is think about what their their offense looked like when Joe Brady took over. Now, there'll be some changes because Joe Brady now can work all season. He's not beholden to uh-huh. what was done prior. He can put in a lot more of what he wants to put in. But at the end of the day, they ended up throwing a lot of shorter balls. Mm-hmm. And when you start throwing shorter balls, you're relying on run after catch to be a bigger part of your offense. Sure. So I'm sure they see run after catch as something that is, is now important to them. All right, so Ricky Pearsall is another guy you did, right? I, I do like Ricky Pearsall. So, there, but he's a guy that may not test off the charts. Um, I think he's going to test pretty well. But so do I. I don't know if he's going to – he's not running 4-3, though. No, um, no, no. But not that that's the end-all, be-all to being a good receiver in the league, as you well know. But maybe just what appeals to you – um, about him, he was a he was a transfer too, right? Chris? Yeah, like, I think Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, so he leads yeah. Arizona in receiving, then goes to Florida and leads Florida in receiving. Right. Like wherever he went, he was productive. And he made that arguably the best catch of the year, that one-handed yeah. catch. You remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he caught it like it was a tennis ball. Oh yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it yeah. was not right. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, and you know what? He's six one. I mean, he was at the senior ball. I think when people look at him, they probably automatically say, "Oh, slot." But he's six one, mm-hmm. and he runs well. And I think you could line him up. I think he's location versatile within the within your formation. I think he runs good routes. It would not surprise me if he runs better than you think. I mean, he's not like you said. He's not going to run a four three five. But he's also not one of those like typical slot receivers that's going to run a four five nine right. or a four six one. I like Ricky Pearsall, and I think he's tough. I, I watched him play, and I don't know if it's because the, the first name is the same, but I was think, I'm was i thinking Ricky Prohl Ricky was Prohl. coming to mind. Ooh, good one. He was good coming Paul. to mind when I was watching him on tape. Do, do you think that translates at all? Ricky Prohl. For a comp? I, I know Ricky Prohl very well, and uh, and Ricky Prohl was a great – you know, do you know that Ricky Prohl, just as an, a ridiculous aside – for the first 10 years in his career, he played with 10 different quarterbacks. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's insane. And, and the only Pearl, reason he couldn't get on the field is because he's playing with the greatest show on turf with a couple of Hall of Famers. But if and, you look at his numbers in his career, they were really good. Yeah. I mean, he's he's interesting comparison. I mean, Ricky Pro was a really, really good receiver. But he, he was a guy that was not gigantic but could line up outside anywhere, as well. Anywhere, like what yeah. you were saying yeah. about Pearsall. I, you know, it made me even think about Ricky Prohl all the more because I was watching his tape and I'm thinking of Ricky Prohl. And then you said, you know, he's 6'1", and people say slot, but he can line up outside. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Ricky Prohl again. Like, <laughs> you made me start thinking I of mean, Ricky Prohl all over again. I don't know if this comparison, I, I'd be curious, Chris, if you, you know, what you think of this comparison. You know, some might look at him and think of someone like Adam Thielen. Yeah. Oh, I wow. That makes a lot of sense. I think people would be very yeah, happy. Yeah, if, yeah. <laughs> you talk about this a lot, Greg. I think with Pearsall, beyond just running routes, uh, I think he does a great job immediately diagnosing is it man, is it zone, yeah, yeah. and where I need to be. Yep, because a yep. lot of route running is not just how athletic you are, can you shake the press man corner. There's a lot of zone that's played in the NFL. It's about two-thirds zone. I think he has a very good uh, sense, like football IQ of doing yeah, that. Yeah, that's a great point, Chris, because I think most people think that only the quarterback has to make that determination yeah, no, good call. as yeah. to whether it's man or zone, and receivers do too. I remember when Sterling Sharp used to come to NFL Films every week, and I got to know him really well, and we'd talk receiving, you know, because he was great. Yeah, In ridiculous. fact, there were some who think 
that if he didn't get hurt, yeah. that he would have been the best receiver ever, better than Rice. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but anyway, he used to talk about the fact that when you're playing against zone, sometimes you have to change the depth of routes. You, you have to do different things other than how the route is written in the playbook mm-hmm. because you have to find open space yep. within the timing of the, the, you know, the whole play. And, you know, that's a great point. That, that's something that's overlooked, I think, with a lot of receivers. Yeah, and it's a great class. I mean, just the class as a whole – I mean, we're looking into the third round oh, probably for, sure. for starting caliber talent, you know, that could get on the field in year one and contribute. Not somebody rolling in, you know, to mop, for mop-up duty in a 20-point victory. You're talking about guys that are going to play roles well into day two, right? It is that deep, you would yeah, say, I just mean, on the caliber I think, of player. And I think because the talent level is pretty high at receiver now, just in, you know, every year, every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I think it comes down to team scheme, how they're deployed. I mean, just think of Puka Nakua. You know, I mean, I think you, you get into all that. Yeah. You, know, you get into Round how five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that whoever they draft is going to catch 104 balls. Or, <laughs> right. But, but look at Khalil Shakir this year for the Bills. Like that's a fifth round pick. A player, if you recall, when they you drafted liked him, I him. said I really liked yeah. him out of Boise State. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more there. Now, he's not a one or a, you know, if you want to get into these categories, you'd say he's not a one or a, a two. Three, yeah. But he, I think he can be really good at that. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's a starter. That's someone that's going to be on the field a lot. Yeah. going to get thrown the, you know, yeah, I mean, playing 11 times He's going to be on the field probably 60% of your snaps. So, yep. you know. Unfortunately, they need a one, a one and a two right now. In my, in, well, I don't know what's going to happen with Diggs, but and and probably some people might view this as a hot take. To me, it's not from watching tape. But Diggs is not a true one anymore. You need a guy. They need a vertical dimension, and they you know they need a guy that can work the intermediate levels. You know, pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. They need they need more juice at receiver. That's why we were saying, like in our in our ideal world, they draft two. Right, the first three rounds. They should double dip, and then just get a defensive player with the other pick. Somewhere. Right, that, that makes would, sense. That would yeah. be a because you know idea. you know you don't want to waste Josh Allen here without giving him receivers. Yes, exactly. Sure. You know. Greg, thanks as always. Go have fun watching the quarterbacks. Uh, we'll catch up with you somewhere down the line here in the off season. Appreciate the I time. Appreciate as it, always. guys. Thanks yeah. so much. Thanks, Greg. That's Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films. We'll take a break and be back with comedian Joey Molinaro. You want to hear some impressions? How about Mel Kiper? How about Nick Saban? This guy's got him nailed. We'll catch up with him next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back to a Friday edition of One Bills Live here at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Chris Brown along with Chris Trapasso and pleased to be joined now by comedian and impressionist Joey Molinaro, who you see online just about everywhere. And uh, you're going to see him in Buffalo. April 17th, he's got a show at Helium Comedy Club. So get on the lo- get online at Helium's website. Get yourself some tickets to check this guy out. Uh, so, Joey, thanks for giving us some time. Appreciate it. Two years in a row, fellas. Great to be back. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, you know, I know we put you through the paces, but this is fun. And I we get great feedback from our listeners and viewers um, online uh, when they tweet back at us because they good. love good. some <laughs> of the – I mean, I, the I'm, thing glad. That, I'm glad. The thing that cra- that's crazy for me is – how you're able to just transition mm. from one to the next. How how hard do you have to kind of work on that to get the nuances of each guy? Like, how long are you working on somebody before you have feel like you have it down? Yeah, it all depends, man. Like, sometimes there's ones that, like, uh, you know, like a Kuiper or a Luck that, like, I can hear the voice and see them talking, and then for whatever reason, it just kind of clicks in my brain, and then I can just imitate that. They're easy. Right, right like... 
Um, but then there's other ones uh, that they're a work in progress, you know, that like like Mahomes took a little bit of time finding yeah. that and having to kind of record myself, play it back. I'm like, is that maybe it needs to be a little bit higher, a little bit more nasal, a little bit more gravel, yeah. that kind of thing. So, yeah, it could be a process. All right. Well, we are here at the draft, mm-hmm. and maybe the most recognizable guy at the draft is the Mr. Widow Peak himself, Mel Kuyper Jr. So if you had to break down – you know, these quarterback prospects at the top of the draft, Mel, how would you kind of label Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May? Yeah, certainly. I think when you look at Caleb Williams, generational type of prospect, coming up a few red flags. No, his dad, he wants him to go not to Chicago. He paints his nails. That can be a red flag for some people. Not for me, but for some people, it certainly can be. Drake May, I do like him. He's been working with Philip Rivers a lot. I've heard that he's started to develop a little bit of a southern draw that could be good. Hopefully he doesn't drop that elbow like Philip Rivers. And then when you look at Jane Daniels, I think he's fantastic. I think you look at him, you want to sit down with him, eat a couple of pumpkin pies, and enjoy watching Jane Daniels on tape. I know I certainly have, but a few red flags for Caleb Williams overall. Yeah. Staying with quarterbacks, we know you love Patrick Mahomes, Chris Collinsworth, and you've also done a lot of Buffalo Bills games in primetime. Talk maybe for once about the positives with Josh Allen. Boy, I tell you, Josh Allen's a heck of a player, but... He just reminds me of Patrick Mahomes when I watch him. I flip out on the tape and I say, "Ah, Josh Allen makes those throws, but Patrick Mahomes can make him in his sleep. There's no doubt about it. So I certainly love watching both of them. But that 15 in the red jersey is something else. He can't stop talking about that guy. Anytime he he's not even doing a Chiefs game, and he's talking about that guy. It drives Bills fans nuts because they're just like, oh, my God, enough with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Coach Saban, you decided to step away from football. People were stunned when out of nowhere you just hung it up at Alabama. What the heck are you going to do now without uh, coaching football 24-7 and standing on the sidelines uh, trying to look important? Well, I guess one thing I'll do is come and mix it up with folks like yourself, but I just got tired of having to pay kids to play football. That's not how I run my program. I want you to come, and I want you to do everything that I say exactly how I say it, like being in line at the VMV, all right? You go, and you ain't there, and you don't have your number in time. They get mad at you just like I'm going to get mad at you, but now the NIL comes in here, and now they're running the the asylum, and that's my program that I'm running, all right? So I'm going to go golf. I'm going to go eat some oatmeal cream pies, all right? Uh, But other than that, I'm going to come here and talk with you guys and make a fool out of myself every now and then, all right? Yeah, sounds good to me. (laughs) Coach Harbaugh, you win the national title, you leave Michigan, you go to the Los Angeles Chargers, you have Justin Herbert. There's also a record amount of Michigan players here. Are you going to be someone that in that draft room is banging the table to make all your picks Michigan Wolverines? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Big fan. Love uh, love what... uh, this town does with uh, the combine, you know. Uh, we got a lot of good players. Uh, I good players. I'm uh, I'm excited about them. And uh, what are we doing here? What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, at, uh, that's good. At, uh, talk to JJ McCarthy. Yeah, go talk to uh, talk to him. That's that's a guy that's it's all about the it's all about the pregnant pauses with him. Isn't well, it? uh, so he, many. He's, it's always he, he doesn't know what he's doing or where he is or he constantly looks like somebody brought him and dropped him somewhere and gave him no background <laughs> yeah. to what the situation. No was. frame of reference. No frame. He doesn't know where he is, what he's doing. <laughs> Uh, just constant. My buddy Dave Damashek had a great quote about him. He said he always looks like he's thinking about if he left the oven on when he mm, left. That's perfect. That, that is, is a very good, good description. His mind is constantly elsewhere. 
Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I got to answer this question somehow. Yeah, that's how it, that's, yeah. yeah. He, he looks like. But he, I love Jim. I'm, I'm no, he's super great. pumped that he's back in the NFL. Yeah, it's better well, it helps him you. in the NFL. It, <laughs> it, it helps me. I think it's great. Uh, and I'm, I hope to see him out and about somewhere. It'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, we know uh, your biggest fan is uh, Chris Collinsworth. Not that you need any more fans, not that you won your third Super Bowl in five years, Patrick Mahomes. Um, and we've heard the likenesses uh, to Kermit the Frog. He's tired of hearing them, as we know. But, Patrick, um, does it bother you that, that Kermit the Frog constantly comes up in describing your voice? Uh, I mean a little bit because, like, Kermit is kind of more, like, down. He's more like Al Michaels. Like, he's kind of more like, Kermit the Frog. And then I'm kind of more up here. So, I mean, I, you look at what I do on the field and everything that I've done. I mean, won three Super Bowls, obviously beating Josh Allen a few times. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hang out with Taylor Swift a whole bunch now. Like, I have so many other things that people can talk about. And all they ever want to ask me about is my voice and how I talk. I mean, I can't help it. It's just like I can't help how I love catch-up. I can't help that I make amazing throws off my back foot for 50 yards on a dime. <laughs> like, it's just what I do, okay? So, maybe you can ask me about something else you want to keep talking to me. <laughs> All right, this draft class at the top, loaded with quarterbacks. We just heard Caleb Williams earlier today. Andrew Luck, as someone that many moons ago was the number one overall pick in the draft, what advice would you give to Caleb Williams or any of these top quarterbacks? <laughs> uh, first thing I'd say is get behind the offensive line. <laughs> Hopefully get into an organization that uh, will invest into some uh, offensive line play. Uh, but uh, if you go to Chicago, great architecture, big fan of that city and the history behind it. So I'd say uh, be able to find a new hobby outside of football and uh, maybe don't have too many kids so you don't have to focus on changing poopy diapers. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, you're an indie guy, right? So how yeah. how what was this city like when he just said, "I'm done"? Okay, so I am an indie guy. I was out of town on my bachelor party. Oh my god! It's one of those like you will always remember where you were when that happened, right? We have we do the. I'm a huge Cubs fan. We go up to Wrigley. Me and twenty. I mean, we had a huge thing. Three story Airbnb, a block away from Wrigley Field. Bachelor party. We're going nuts. We're on the rooftop across the street from Wrigley watching the game that day. And then we come home. We're getting everything ready for the night, you know, showering up, drinking, you know, having a good time, music playing. We got the Colts Bears on in the preseason because it's like, yeah, it's football. It's great. You know, my buddies are Colts fans. They want to check it out. We're out in the back patio having a great time. Then all of a sudden we just hear, no, my God. My buddy, little buddy, he comes. He's like five foot four, right? And, and, and he runs out into the back patio. And we're like, what, dude, what's going on? Who died? Like, what happened? Yeah. You know, because he's really distraught. Mm-hmm. Shows us his phone, the tweet from Schefter about Andrew Luck deciding to hang it up and call it a career. And uh, from that point on, it was just a complete meltdown by everybody in the building. <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my, one of my buddies, like Gronk, spiked his phone into the ground and just <laughs> destroyed it. Um, it really ruined my bachelor party. So I will uh. never forget that. I was never going to forget that night in general because Andrew like retired. But then the fact that but it, wasn't uh, like, it really soured my It wasn't my bachelor, bachelor party. party vibes after that. Yeah. Oh, no, it was like a funeral. Like we were like literally you guys what were we pouring out we were you know <laughs> listening to you know like a, a whole bunch of creed and like things like that and <laughs> and uh just just continuing to drink their yeah, sorrows time to drink right. more and then i'm the you know i'm i'm the steelers fan so i'm like ah, i mean that sucks but like this is my bachelor party let's go yeah uh one last quarterback in the afc you know yeah. so yeah. um but yeah that was that was it it well, was a rough day yeah being a uh a former nfl quarterback yourself mr romo what would you say 
about, and we didn't see a lot of him because he got hurt this year in his rookie year for the Colts, but Anthony Richardson, uh, you know, should Colts fans be excited about this guy? Ooh, I think they're really going to like him, Jim. Oh, <laughs> you see, because I watch, yeah, he does, you know what he does, he gets it, and he decides that he's going to run, but he can throw, no, God, they're going to love him here, Jim. <laughs> All right, I'm a draft analyst. We just heard the quarterbacks speaking at the podium today. Yeah, yeah. And I know that this time of the year, Colin Cowherd, you like to kind of step into the NFL draft analyst role uh, or industry. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think that you took from Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels and all the quarterbacks talking today about how their personality will kind of translate to the next level? Man, you know what? I got, I got, to, I got, I got to disappoint you. I just don't have a cowherd right now. Oh, really? I'm really sorry. That's like I'm your real... original. That's like your original awesome I, I, impersonation. I know, but so the thing about cowherd is that so much of it goes into the the analogy. Oh yeah, the thought process of like what he's going to say and yeah. why yeah. he's going. He to builds say an it. argument. He builds an argument. Ties it into everyday life. Ties it into everyday life. Um, you know, so if I had to say, I would say something like, you know, he would, it would be like backwards hat kind of guy, maybe, or it'd be, you know, Caleb Williams is the guy, you know, he's the, the girlfriend that you want to have fun with, but he's not the girl you settle down with yeah. or something like that. You know he might I mean? actually say that on his right. show. Like yeah. he's the, the California cool, California cool, USC, right? Glitch, glamour doesn't want to go to Chicago, something like that, you know. You go to Chicago with your wife, you don't go to Chicago with your girlfriend, like something like yes, that. That's okay, what he perfect, would do, perfect. or something that like that. Um, you guys have heard the stuff that he talks about with Josh Allen, obviously, and everything, and uh, that's what so much of it is. So much of it goes into him, like I said, like the, the how he's going to start at point A, weave you through this wild journey of marriage and finance and tech that ends somehow with him making Football. the argument that Patrick Mahomes <laughs> yeah. is better than Joe Joe Burrow. Like, yeah, it, it's, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> kind really of loses wild. you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for a while does. you're wondering where uh-huh. he's going, <laughs> where, and then right. he just ties it up in a bow. I think that's maybe why his ratings are so good because people, you know, they they're always just like yeah. time spent I, listening. I, you have yeah. to wait till I, the I end. have to wait till the end because this, I need this payoff. Where <laughs> the <laughs> hell are you taking me? Oh, okay. I still disagree with you. Yeah, that kind of thing. Maybe tell our Buffalo listeners and viewers what they can expect from the Joey Molinaro performance uh, coming up on April 17th at Helium Comedy Club. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I'm was i just uh, out on tour uh, doing stand-up. was doing it last year. Had a bunch of uh, runs of good shows. Um, and, 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 and Buffalo's my first one coming up here uh, post-baby oh, number kicking two. kicking off the tour? And- kicking off in wow. Buffalo. Yep, mm. kicking off in Buffalo. Never been to Buffalo. Um, super, super excited. I've heard nothing but great things. You know, I, 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 am a, I consider myself a football kind of guy, and I know Buffalo is a football kind of town. Mm. And uh, I'm super pumped to be there. Yeah, it'll be a little bit of impressions. Um, I have way more of an act than just that. So, uh, you know, that's what you'll get. You'll come and uh, nice. we'll, we'll run through some impressions. We'll have some fun. Um, you'll hear about me making fun of uh, my Catholic upbringing and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, it'll be a great time. So April 17th, Helium Comedy Club. Get tickets, officialjoeymolinero.com or, or at Helium in Buffalo. Yeah, they've got the website uh, rolling and they're pretty good on, you know, making it 
user-friendly for getting tickets. Yep. So yep. Joey Molinaro, April 17th at Helium Comedy Club in Buffalo. Joey, thanks for giving us some hey, time. We appreciate too, it as always. It. Thank you so All right. much, man. We'll Chris, keep an eye man. out for you awesome. in April when it should be spring in Buffalo, but, no, right. but no guarantees. That's fine. No guarantees. That's we have cool. fake spring one, fake spring uh-huh. two. We'll see where we are come April 17th. We'll do our best to make it good for you. You got it. Joey Molinaro joining us here. We'll take a break. Be back with more on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Final segment of the week, and uh, it has been a banner week. We'll get to that in just a second. We're going to squeeze a phone call in here. Aaron in Oregon has been waiting patiently. What do you got for us, Aaron? Oh, hey, thanks so much for taking my call. Um, I really love Greg Cosell's sure. insight, by the way. i I got to get him every Tuesday. But um, I wanted to talk about the three receivers I really want to target in round one. And if we don't get them, I'd mm-hmm. like to go defensive tackle or defensive end. So that's Mitchell and Thomas and Franklin. And you guys have talked about uh, Mitchell and Thomas a lot. Um, but I'm from Oregon, so I want to talk about Franklin a little bit more. Um, and and I really like him and have seen him a lot. Um, but Thomas, I, I think, is number one. But one of those other guys would be great. And then um, I would like to see us pick Brendan Rice up later in the draft if we can. Um, and then the other one thing I wanted to talk before I get off, because I know you're squeezed for time, is um, I would love to see us get uh, a sentimental favorite of mine for backup quarterback in Marcus Mariota, um, again, an Oregon guy, or John Wolford because yeah. of the Will Wolford uh connection so uh, i'll get off and let you guys finish up but uh any comments on that would be great yeah thanks aaron uh wolford is interesting um because there is a backup quarterback spot to fill yeah and i think they'll probably do it with a, an affordable veteran and free agency that's kind of been the play yes the last few years so that wouldn't be a surprise and then he really likes franklin um i get it you're a ducks fan <laughs> um i don't know like his frame worries me, and Greg kind of assuaged that for me a sure. little bit. But 178 pounds, you know, he's got to put some muscle on that frame. I worry about him holding up. Why I like him so much fitting in Buffalo is because I think he checks that initial box, even if he is too light in year one. He can just be a downfield guy. They can say, yeah. look, don't do anything else. Just get down the field, post routes, go routes. And like Greg kind of validated, because I kind of saw this too on film, and it was good to hear from Greg. The wiggle, the route running, the flexibility is there where then in year two and beyond, I think he can become a number one. And maybe most importantly than anything, he's probably going to be there at least in the 20s where the Bills could ultimately get him. I don't know if Brian Thomas is. Right. And the best thing about all three of those guys is they they bring a speed element to the table, and the Bills desperately need speed. Size also to a certain extent, but speed desperately in their receiving Mm -hmm. core going forward. Well, it has been a banner week here at the NFL Combine. Thanks for helping us out here sure. on Friday, Chris. I'm sure we'll catch up with you. But want to thank our crew who have been absolutely outstanding, both back at home base, Addie Thierk, Jeff Koltenak, Tom Hollander, George Bloss, Gina Mimo, um, and then Shannon Brown and Jay Harris here, our producer extraordinaire. Been a great week of guests. We hope you've enjoyed it. We'll see you back in Buffalo. Take care. <laughs>